Welcome to another edition of Lifting Coast. Skips, what's going on, man? Not much. We got a lot of news in week two of the summer break, eh? Listen, summer break, you get to check the guys out on vacay, living life. You know, someone, actually my brother said to me, he's like, it's funny how a lot of them live in Monaco, but they're all on vacation elsewhere. Yeah, I was, yeah it's actually really funny to think about that. But let's, we're kind of profits. What did we talk about in our last episode that's been a big storyline over the last couple of days? Well, I think the big thing is with the news coming out of Nico Rosberg, like, you know, just interesting to hear hear the news of how he locked himself in a hotel room after losing a Lewis, you know, year in and year out and had to like refocus. Two decades of losing to one person. It's kind of rough. Uh, who, who else do you think has ever felt like this? Is there anybody else that's ever felt like Listen, this? In the you, F1 called world? It, you called him a chicken on the last episode. But when you read this and you think about just like you even have said it, what he went through to beat him. Hey, I, I did say he's more of a quitter <laughs> after the second one. <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, it, it's crazy to think of, like, if you lose someone for two decades, basically, and then he took everything in his body and, and he did like personal training. He went to a sports psychologist after that. So shout out to Nico, though, man. He, he also turned down a, a massive bag. Well, you know, estimates that he probably has left over $100 million on the table um, by retiring. But he did it his way. He won a world championship and he left the sport on top. Was it the most admirable thing to do? Maybe not. But think about like anyone in life. Like you go through lows. When you're competing and you're a competitor at heart, it's no one likes to lose. So can you imagine him in that moment like, in that hotel room, what was going through his mind? Like he probably contemplating quitting and said, you know what? I am going to beat Lewis. I, I think that I don't think Nico was quitting until he, until he won his first world championship. If that makes sense. I, I think, I think after he won his first, no matter what, if it was five years later, if it was another two years later, he was quitting after that. I think like at, when you grow up and your only dream is the world to win a world championship and you do it, and he's made enough money in his lifetime, right? I mean, definitely. He also comes from a, a family of wealth, so... Mr. Kiki Rosberg? I'm sure Nico's wallet is not hurting. Yeah, so back to kind of him him um, retiring in, in the hotel room. Yeah, I have no idea what would go through your mind at that point. Like, you just got to think about it. It's like 20 years of defeat, and you keep losing at the highest level. And it's like, he's your teammate, so you got to face him every single day. Like, I'm sure it would be a lot easier if he was on Red Bull or Ferrari and he only had to face him, like, once a week. But you had to look him in the eye probably six that's days probably, a week. That's also why the relationship is completely destroyed. Well, he talked about that, right? Like, there's a lot of money recognition on the line. So, I mean, I was on last podcast saying that I don't understand why you just can't leave it on the track. But it makes sense now, man. I get it. But, you know, shout, shout out to Nico, man. He still gets respect. Listen, He's still a world champ. And I'm sure... He could probably still come back, get himself into driving shape, and take someone's job on the grid. You think so? Oh, man, he it's not like he's old. Okay, whose job is he taking? I'll tell you. You can take Mazepin's job. He can take... Well, Mazepin got the bag. Is Nico bringing a bag? Nico's probably bringing a bag Listen, with him Nico's well. bringing the Heineken sponsor, bro. The 0% beer. That's his, that's his number one plug. Nico bring the bag with him. Okay, yeah, he'll take Mazepin's job. Yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, I mean, I've just kind of been following all the drivers over the last few weeks, and 
it's just kind of cool to see them in a different atmosphere, disconnected from the track, on vacay, either, you know, some solo, some with friends, some with their, you know, their girlfriends and wives. But So give it, me your favorite, your listen, favorite Instagram. The best was over the weekend. There's just this video of Lewis Hamilton on one of those old, like, 70s bikes, like bicycles, and he's just biking on some beach island, and, he, and whoever's <laughs> recording it, He's just got red, red wine playing. And he's just like soaking up the sun, pedaling on this bike, singing red, red wine. But Nico, I'm mean, sorry, Lewis always lives his best life. In training or not, <laughs> Lewis is always portraying he's like, he's living his best life. Listen. Like well, a couple days after the season, he's running in the desert, just like enjoying himself. Yo, I love Lewis. And he is, he is just, I'm telling you, this break was so needed for him because he hasn't stopped and he's just been rolling. We talked about that race after Hungary, the guy's on the podium, and I thought he was going to ruin it for Ocon because it just looked like he was going to throw up up there. <laughs> he was so gassed. I'm like, yo, this is Ocon's first. You know, he's he's got the trophy. He's got the champagne, and Lewis is just killing the vibe. So he so needed it. What do you think would have happened if he threw up on stage? Oh, you know, all the all the haters would be like, oh, you know, typical Lewis Hamilton. You know, he's, he's a sore loser. I, that's what I thought was going to happen, but he was just really gassed, and... This vacay, summer break, I'm telling you, he's going to come back locked in. Is he the most hated man in Formula One? Um, no. I Actually, by the sheer numbers, probably, because he's got the biggest fan base, but he also has the biggest amount of haters. No, know? but I mean, like, does he hold the LeBron James type of step? Nah. I mean, maybe I'm saying that because my judgment's clouded, and I'm just not a LeBron James fan. Yeah. But I think that, listen... Lewis has got love globally. He does have a lot of love, but I'm saying he. I'm sure. I'm he sure has the a Max Verstappen <laughs> fans don't like him, but <laughs> Marco Helmets fans. <laughs> Yo, I, I was just uh, reading a headline today that said that you know Lewis and Max had they've always had like a pretty good relationship, they were and, they and were now the relationship is done. And it's like, that. yeah, that's how it should be. They're competitors, bro. I, I don't think that's how it should be, but I mean, we love to see it like that. Yeah, I think you know we're going into Spa. It's like they're coming off summer break, going into spa. Then they have three races in a row. I think they go spa, Netherlands, Italy. Wow. So they're going to go back to back to back. Shout out to Monza. I can't wait for It's going to be nuts. And we only have 12 races left in the year. So when you look at the point differential, it's so close right now, not just between Mercedes, Red Bull. You're going to have McLaren trying to figure it out at the end. And I really think after following um, – quite a few of the the storylines over the break i don't think uh ricardo's back in mclaren next year i think they just buy out his contract he really who do you think mclaren's going after i don't know who they go after but i just think is that it a certain finish man <sighs> man i would love to see i would love valtteri that. and lando that'd be that'd be a good Listen, duo i would love to see it but i would also just love to see valtteri stay with mercedes so i ain't gonna go that far but I think that Ricardo might be on his way out of F1. Okay, but here's the thing. Every report says that George is ready to secure the Mercedes seat that you've read, I've read over the past um, week. It's until like, it seems our like boy it's, Toto comes out and, and puts it out there, it means nothing. You know that. No, I know, but I'm saying a lot of reports are saying they're already going towards George. So I, mean, like, I, I think McLaren would be a great spot for Valtteri. I think that'd be a, a great duo. Yeah, I think Vel if Veltri loses a seat, he's going to have a lot of options. As long as he doesn't end up with a, you know, back-end team like Alfa Romeo, I'm happy. Shout-out to uh, 
as we mentioned earlier, George Russell and Nicholas Latifi on vacation together. I don't know if you saw that. Listen, I didn't know they were actually friends like that. Hey, the Canadian and the Briton getting getting it on, bro. I love it, man. Just, just chilling, man. Everyone, everyone's just somewhere on a nice warm island, whether you're Lewis riding the bike. <laughs> you you, you got to think about it, though. They must really <laughs> like each other because they see each other all the time and they still want to go on vacation together. So shout out to them, man. One million percent. Um, I was going to say, you know, with all, with all of these guys, like, they all kind of competed at different levels growing up. So just like you saw with Lewis and Nico early on, it's the same with a lot of them. I think they've known each other for so long. And this this little community of 20 drivers, um, I think they, they all have, like, decent relationships. Well, yeah, that's because it's a golden age, right? Like, I don't think you've ever seen an age like this. I'm just doing research with Charles, which is, he's 23, Lando's 21, Max is 23, oh, yeah. George is 23, Signs is like 25, like all these guys kind of grew up together, and then you have Mick, he's 21, so Mick is kind of thrown in there too, Mazepin's also in that group, if Alex Albon eventually gets a seat, like there's a, a golden age of young drivers, so I think it's going to be very interesting to see if their relationships stay strong, or if they end up becoming uh, kind of tainted. Definitely, but also, you know... F1's highly criticized because it's not necessarily a sport that's accessible. And I know Lewis is now taking huge strides. He's done it with Mercedes. He's taking money out of his own pocket to make the sport more accessible for um, minorities. At what point do we start to see this sport become more accessible for not just rich families, but all families? I don't think it'll ever get there. But then how can you say they're the 20 best drivers in the world? It's the 20 best drivers in the world because they've honed their craft, right? So, like, you can't say somebody that might have been great because they never drove. Like, that's the best just, 20 drivers Yeah, in the like, world. you look, Lewis is really the exception when you look at the grid. Like, all of the other drivers um, come from privileged families. I agree with that. Uh, in terms of minorities, there's actually a couple coming up. Like, there's a Chinese driver I read about. He might be on for a seat within the next two years. Alex Albon's tie. So, I mean, you're seeing my, more minorities in the sport, but I think it'll always be a sport of privilege. I don't, I don't think you'll ever you'll ever be able to walk away from that. Because you got to understand, karting, you got to travel everywhere. It's expensive. So expensive. Gas. Like, a lot of people can't, don't have access to gas. They just go drive around their own domain, let alone to put it in a car. Right. And to pay for repairs on a car. So... Stuff. So think, I think about this, think. right? This global sport that is followed religiously around the world, and now we're starting to see people on, in the Western world start to follow it, right? Like, we're, we've seen how well the Liberty Media Group has done at, with promoting it, right? So Drive to Survive, we've got this now Michael Schumacher documentary coming out. We already have the Austin, Texas uh, race. Now we have the Miami race. We're noticing that even in our friend groups, more and more people are talking about it. So now, like, think about if you were to have a kid. How would you put your kid in F1? Like, you know, if you want to play basketball, you pick up a ball, you start hooping. Got to secure the bag, bro. You, you got to <laughs> secure the bag, sure. But I'm trying to think, like, will we start to now see more of that even here in both the so U.S. and Canada? The only way this happens is if the FIA actually regulates all racing levels. So if the FIA really wanted to, which would be a massive investment but for the growth of their sport would make sense is they'd have to invest in a farm system where maybe they just have certain circuits, the same circuits every single year, and they have 20 cars or X amount of cars for the best drivers. 
kind of like a rep league. Like they have to make sanctioned rep leagues. Yeah. So that's the only way it'll ever become accessible to everybody if the cars are the same. And maybe you pay a flat fee and then you're just responsible for traveling. But any repairs or anything are paid for by the FIA or something. But unless there's a, a sanction and um, a structure behind it, it'll always be a rich person. I was just kind of thinking about that. Like what kids saying, oh, yeah, I want to be an F1 driver when I grow up. You know, especially I, where we live. No, they want to be they want to be like Vin Diesel or Paul Walker. They <laughs> want to be Brian O'Connor. That's does, what they want it to be. It does help the sport that you just listed off the majority of these drivers' ages. They're young, you know, young early twenties. From an influential standpoint, when you look at their social currency on Instagram, um, TikTok, what they're doing in the esports world, they are already you know, growing that audience of next generation. And I think that will trickle into the curiosity from younger just fans that will want to drive. I agree. And also, like, most of those people are from the from Europe. The only person I named was Latifi, which he's from Canada. But everybody else is from Europe. At what point do we see an American driver on the grid? I mean, we see a Canadian driver. It's not that yeah, big to but see an American. Listen, it's owned by Americans now. They're trying. Listen, Canada is is benefiting from this this huge surge in in North America. But as American owners, I believe it's super important that they have an American flag on the track. Um, I don't even know. Give me twelve years. That's way too long. No, this is the timing, though, right? So realistically, America sport is not as developed, right? For for driving. Yeah. So, A, you're going to have to have someone that's grown up with it. So, you're going to have to be around 8 to 10 right now. You have to watch Drive to Survive. You're not going to be a 14-year-old, most likely, because the systems here aren't developed. So, okay, there is a likelihood, but the, the absolute minimum time is 8 years. Because you're maybe 14, 15, and you may move across, yeah. across the globe. But uh, I'm going to say 10 to 12 years, timing-wise. If that's a timing, I say not only do we see a driver, but we see a, an American constructor. Yeah, I, I mean, we have like, an American constructor, technically, Haas. When I, sorry, an American engine. Like, I, I think you see Ford, you see an American engine. I don't know if you ever will. It's just strategically, it makes sense for what they've done. How long did it take Honda to get their sh- shit together? I don't even know, man. It took Honda a while, right? From from my understanding, to get their shit together. I mean, Honda's first dominant engine is. But now they're pulling out, so. So I'm saying it, yeah, 10, 12 years. That's that's my timeline. 10, 12 years. I think we're we're gonna see more and more of an American influence as it grows, just because, um, in order for this to all work, part of their long term strategic plan, they need an American for Americans to root for. I agree with you. How do you feel about um, the sprint races? Listen, the sprint races have, the first one at Silverstone was incredible. I can't wait for the next one. Um, I think Monza's is one of the next ones. Yeah. That would be really good. You know, I don't, I, there is something magical about qualifying. Like, I love watching qualifying. So, I don't want to ever see sprint races completely errat- eradicate qualifying. But instead of just four, maybe we can have a, a an EV. You know, 50-50 split. But qualifying is your position in the race, in the sprint. That's how you get position in the sprint. Yeah, but the sprint, uh, the, listen, I'm a huge fan for it, but if you were to only go sprint, there'd be so many times that there'd be accidents in the sprint and people are then starting at the back of the grid. Like, that sucks. At least with qualifying, you're pretty much on the track by yourself. 
That's very true. Like, I'm, think about it. The first sprint we saw, what happened with Perez? He, but he spun out. That, that, that was a spin out. You know. But I will say, I, I do agree with you just because um, qualifying has become like my Saturday routine when there's a race. I love watching qualifying listen, in the morning. You listening, listening to the commentators and as the guys are going across the line and you just hear the times coming in and you're, you're just waiting. Oh, my God. Is he going to do a 10th bet, 100th better? And it's pretty exciting. Yeah, you know, I love when they say provisional pull. <laughs> He's got provisional pull. Yeah, exactly. It's this board is incredible. And I kind of want to just touch on a few things because I know you've tapped into it. F1, unlike a lot of the sports that maybe you and I watch, they uh, obviously this is all of recent. They go all out in providing fans all access. Like as if you are on the track or in the paddock or understanding these drivers' lives. You've now recently subscribed for, I think, F1. Pro TV. And, like, tell me a little bit about it. Oh, it's been magical. So, um, <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm a student in the game. I, I actually, I love, I love F1. Um, they have archives. So, I, I've literally started at the 2015 season. I've literally watched them all the races. I, I kind of put it on before I go to bed <laughs> or while I'm cooking. So I've watched like three races so far in the last week, which is really cool. Um, and they have like documentaries you won't see anywhere. Um, shout out to shout out to F1. They also do the the fan meet right every on Zoom yeah. with the drivers, which is really cool. But it's a really cool platform. It's ten bucks a month. I mean, it's like Netflix, but if you really enjoy F1, you get whatever you want, all access. And then you have like different things like um, you can actually see their 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 stats and their technical aspects during a race. Um, and they have like the, the driver's pits, the pit lane. So I'm like, that's really cool. So I, I'm really, I'm going to, I'm really waiting for spa. Cause I really want to see what happens when it's actually live. It's going to be amazing. And I think that is why this sport is winning over so many people right now, because they are finding, you know, innovative ways that many other sports leagues in the world fail to connect the fan and the athlete. And, you know, something, I mean, we talk about it at title league all the time. Like we want to get people closer to the to the whatever it may be if it's the influence influencer the sport the game f1 is doing that and i don't think anyone is doing it as good as they are no i i i don't think anybody is but f1 also only has 20 drivers which makes it a lot easier when you have when you have more players in the league yeah but i guess you could compare the drivers to in other sports like golfers and stuff like that i mean you could just do teams right like how can you could i'm always looking at ways to find more great content around the teams that i love so at least with f1 i can do that across all, t all all 10 teams no i agree with you so i actually got a quick question for you speaking of the old archives what the hell was f1 doing with their old style of broadcasting have you seen one of those in a while when you say old so i grew i remember for me it was and i'm it talking was about like 2015 so okay i, I no I, I can't talk on that there before Liberty took over, that broadcast looked like it was archaic. That bad, eh? It give, was give terrible. Me, give me an example. Like, it's just like everything was blocked, like so blocky. It just wasn't appealing or attractive at all. When Liberty came in, like, when I look at these races now and how they, like, put out the times and qualifying and how they just do everything, it looks so much nicer. Listen. I don't, you should take a look at it. It's, it's a big difference. Like... Liberty might have been the best thing that F1 ever did, or FIA, whoever whoever for sure um, owns the rights Listen, to everything. We're, we're throwing out mad love to to the to the sport, to the owners. If they're listening, just make sure that 
um, this this upcoming season, we get all the press credentials that we need. Yeah, hopefully we get that. Um, before we wrap up, who is going to be your unsung hero of the second half? That maybe is not like the top drivers. Unsung hero. So who has the best second half outside of? Like Lewis? outside of our top teams. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. <sighs> Let's see here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out right now. Stroll is going to have a solid second half of the season for Aston Martin. You think so? I like him, man. I think Stroll's a good driver. I, I think, like, he's being considered for the Mercedes seats from Ralph Schumacher's. Like, a lot of people take. give him so much hate. You're only there because your dad owns the team. Like, no, the he boy can drive. He scored points. A lot of people hate on the way he speaks. It's like, yo, as a driver, he can drive, man. I like, agree. Like, don't hate on him. I agree. I, I'm a Lance Stroll fan. Just how He's you get Canadian. so many people that are on this huge George Russell tip. It's like, yo, Stroll's better than George Russell. Like, show some love I, to my I guy. would not say that. Until you put them in the hey, same car, I would not say Stroll that. Stroll has a lot more points. We'll see next year. We'll numbers see. Numbers don't lie. <laughs> I mean, cars don't... Car, I mean, the numbers in uh, the cars don't lie Let me either. ask you this, Scott. Are you really a George Russell fan? I'm a George Russell guy. Wow. I'm a, I am picked wow. Charles and George. Wow, okay. And you know what? I love my, I love me some Mick, too, and that's who I'm picking as my unsung hero. Mick is going to have a, a better second half. So Mick's coming in with a sec, okay, solid second half. I think Mick's going to come with a solid yeah. second half. I think it, the timing will just be perfect. September is dad's, you know, doc drops. Like, there's going to be all this added Yeah, I, I just him. think Mick's going to have a great second half. And you know what? Like, listen, the thing about, I don't think George Russell, I think George Russell's a great driver. He may be a little overhyped, but I believe, I believe in George. We'll see. I mean, he's he's clearly see. outpaced Latifi like it's going out of style. You know what? Latifi's regularly he has outqualified Latifi. Yes, most definitely. He's also but outqualified. When it comes to race day, when it comes to race day, Latifi has more points than a Williams. Oh, that's because of favorable positioning on the track. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> also, Latifi was well, where was Latifi? Latifi was like fourth or fifth when that accident happened. He went all the way down to like eighth. Hey. Just saying. Or Russell made his way up. I'm just but, saying. But let's let's throw this on let's throw this on wax. I think Russell's actually outqualified Stroll in terms of making it the Q2 Q2. If we're talking about this year with the Aston Martin, um, I don't know the exact, but you may be right. But if we look at Stroll's career with Racing Point. Wasn't Racing Point a Mercedes wannabe car and had some of the best pace listen, last year? Listen, <laughs> sure, but so I don't want to hear it, bro. I mean, okay, what about when Stroll and and Thing were both in a Mercedes car? Stroll and Russell in the in a ba Bahrain or was it Bahrain? Yeah, but no, Stroll was in Racing Point. He had a Mercedes it, it power a, unit, but okay. Williams has Mercedes power unit too. So like, I'm not even gonna go there. All right, okay, but my point is, is that when he was in a top <laughs> car like like uh like Lance, you. He will a lot of people him. hate on that Racing Point car, and obviously there was a ton. There was so many different. Um, complaints and investigations launched but at the end of the day the fia didn't ban or disqualify no no crazy, listen so. i'm not hating on the car i'm just saying he had a fast car he had a that car had pace so i don't want to hear about Lance Stroll getting points because that car had pace true we'll see so anyways you're you're going with mick schumacher i'm going with stroll i like the stroll pick though i, I think stroll's a solid pick and my and my hot take is ricardo does not come back to mclaren my hot take is if that becomes true, if we're doing a parlay, Valtteri will be in a McLaren. All right. Well, listen, you heard it here first. Lift and coast. That's another one in the books, bro.
All right, make sure you guys go follow us on Apple, Spotify, and make sure you go subscribe on our YouTube channel. Listen, show love to the Lift and Coast fam, show love to the whole Title League fam, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.